because I've been a member here for over 20 years and pastor brings the word every Sunday. Ministry here is for the entire being. Uh, I love the way it touches the mind, the body, and the soul. Uh, we have women's ministries. Welcome to our world. I've gone to several churches before and the truth that pastor preaches about the word, his leadership and his vision is just pure. Welcome to our world. What keeps me coming back to St. Matthews is the youth program. They continuously put effort into the young, into the young mentors. Welcome to our world. Bienvenidos a nuestro mundo.
we just open up our mouth and tell God thank you. He brought you all week long. Before we even sing a song, before we get into anything, can we just stand to our feet and just lift our hands and give God a praise? He's worthy. He's glorious. Hallelujah. Song says something about the name Jesus. Something about the name Jesus. How many know it's the sweetest name I know? I know y'all know this song. Come on, join in. Something about the name. Something about the name. Something about the name Jesus. It's the sweetest name. It is the sweetest name. I know. I know. Oh, how I love. Oh, how I love the name Jesus. Oh, oh, how I love the name Jesus. It is the sweetest Lift up your praise. Go ahead and lift up your praise. Hallelujah, because it's worthy. It's the sweetest name I know. We're going to start from the top. Say, ooh. Come on, I know y'all sing.
of Jesus. Every knee, every knee has got to bow. You don't have to wait till the fire comes. You can go ahead and praise Him now. There's something y'all.
And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Good morning, St. Matthews. I truly give honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to my pastor in his absence. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we know that you are first in all of our lives, Lord. Lord, we recognize you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that you prepare us to hear your word, Lord. Lord, I'm asking that you bless every family here today, Lord. That you let them know that you are King of kings and Lord of lords, Lord. And that you are about passion. That you care for them, Lord. Lord, I thank you today because without you, we have nothing, Lord. You are creator of all things and all things consist of you, Lord. We recognize you today as Lord of our lives, Lord. So we thank you today, Lord. We thank you today, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you have your way today, Lord. Lord, they talking about we ought to speak on love. Lord, I'm asking that you gave the gift of love, the greatest gift, your son, Lord. But I thank you today, Father. That right now, Lord, prepare every heart today, Lord. Let them know that they are cared for, Lord. Let them know that you care about them today, Lord. We thank you today, Lord. Have thy way. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, we'll have a selection by our choir.
me of the honor and the praise. Yes, it's about Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. So for those of you just coming in, my name is Tanya Kellum, and I'm your worship leader for today. On behalf of Pastor Gordon, again, he sends his love. And today, um, in honor of Valentine's Day, Pastor has asked me to speak briefly on Valentine's Day, the vision and the victory of love. We have a few pulpit comments, and then we also have one audio announcement. So on behalf of Pastor Gordon, again, happy Valentine's Day this week. Today, I just want to encourage you about the vision and victory of love, which can only be found in Jesus and the word of God. God gave us the vision of love. 1 John 4:16 tells us that God is love, and we are to dwell and abide in love. By doing that, we're dwelling in God, and God is in us. John 3:16 tells us that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son for us. The victory of love only comes with our resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. So you have to be saved to experience the true love that God has to offer. Amen. He died for us. He went to the cross for us. He was buried and he rose with all power. So today, if you are looking for a vision and you're trying to get a victory of love, look to Jesus. Stay focused and reflect on his love, his mercy, and his grace. And just know that he has you covered. Amen. Amen. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about Black History Month. As you know, this month is Black History Month. We want to thank Jesus that we can celebrate, honor, and acknowledge all African Americans who made an amazing contribution and sacrifice for us. So please take a moment to look at the Black History decorations that are in the hallways. You can walk out to this door and see them all along this hallway, along as well as the East Door hallway. And in addition to celebrating Black History Month, we're also proud to be a multicultural church because we're all one body in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And at this time, we have one audio announcement. So please look to the screen. Good morning, St. Matthews. This is the day the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Today's announcements are as follows. Church family, we are here for you. If you are in need of support or counseling due to grief, please reach out. Help is available through our Grief Share Ministry. We offer encouragement, support, tools, and hope. Our next session kicks off on Wednesday, February 21st. For more information, please contact the church at extension 2268. This concludes today's general announcement. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord for help and resources and assistance when we need it. Amen. At this time, it's offering time. So I'm going to ask the ushers and deacons to come at this time. I'm asking that you would please be liberal in your giving. Continue to give as unto the Lord and know that God has you covered. The word says in Malachi 3.10 to bring all our tithes into the storehouse and that God is able um, to do for us above and beyond what we ask or think. If you make $300 a week, a tithe is a tenth, so we're asking that you would give 30. And if you make $1,000 a week, you should tithe a minimum of $100. So again, be liberal in your giving, be obedient to the Lord, and watch how he blesses you. 
Ushers, you may come at this time.
Amen, amen. At this time, Usher and Thika, you can come. Everyone, please stand. three speakers. Our first speaker for today is a teacher. She is an educator. She loves the word of God. She's been married uh, to Minister Arnold for so many years. They are blessed and highly favored. So our first speaker is Sister Barbara Arnold. Amen, amen. Our next speaker after Sister Barbara Arnold is the lovely Deaconess Sherry Page. She also is a beautiful woman of God, also married to a great man of God, and also has been serving in ministry for so many years. And then our final speaker in the first set of speaking is Deaconess Crystal Guy. Round of applause. Another wonderful lady in the Lord, also married to a great man of God, and is also one of the ministry leaders here at St. Matthew's. So after the choir comes, we will start with the word of God after that. Thank you. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He's a good God. He's a mighty good God. Amen. I love your voice 
y'all sing that together real quick? Say, all my life. me and my gift, who has shown loving kindness to all of us in our church, and, and I am grateful that he keeps our church from doctrinal error, which pervades Christendom today. In 1 Thessalonians 1.3, you don't have to go there. Paul told the Thessalonians that he was remembering their work of love or faith, their labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. My lesson today, uh, because I'm not a preacher, I am a teacher, you get a lesson today, you are my students, my lesson today is on a labor of love. In Acts, we have my first illustration of what a labor of love looks like. And I'm just going to read it. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity or love. In those days, she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. The disciples, hearing that Peter was in town, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. When Peter arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing him clothing and garments that Dorcas had made for them while she was with them. Dorcas performed 
a labor of love. An evangelist came to the church where I was attending when I was in my 20s. He came with his wife, introduced her. She stood up, gave a big smile, and then sat down. And then he told us her story. Several years before, she had brain damage. So that at that point, she was acting and thinking only as a two- or three-year-old. He had to help her daily to get dressed, help her to eat, help her to bathe, and had to speak to her as to a child. He took her everywhere with him. This man performed a labor of love. But Jesus' work on the cross is the richest form of a labor of love ever demonstrated. So I'm going to ask you to turn to your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 3, because we're going to look at the crucifixion. I know every year you hear about it, but I'm hoping that I can show you something that's there that you may not have noticed before. And the first thing I'm going to show you is that in this crucifixion scene in Luke, we have one of my favorite things to teach, bookends. So let's look at verse 34. In Luke 23, verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That's our first bookend. Look at the end of the crucifixion scene. Because it then says in verse 46, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. So at the beginning of the crucifixion scene, purposefully, by the way, and at the end of the crucifixion scene, Jesus prays to the Father. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes, forgiveness is hard work. In verse 34, so let's look at verse 34 again. Then said Jesus, Father, now this is after he has been put on the cross with the nails in his hand and nails in his feet. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. When my children were growing up, they had spats with each other. And as they got older, with their friends, they got hurt feelings. You know, you remember that with your teens. If you ever had teens, they get hurt feelings rather easily. And they would come to me crying. And, of course, I would hug them and comfort them. But I would tell them, you have two options. Number one, just forgive. Get over it. Just forgive. The other option, which is just as good, just as biblical, is to go to that person, to talk to them, 
so that you can be reconciled with them. There is no third option, I would tell them. Because not forgiving is not an option. Let me repeat that, because I had to repeat it to my kids. Not forgiving is not an option. Forgiveness is a labor of love. Let's look at what Jesus had to forgive. In verse, we're going to start with three groups in this scene. The first is in 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them. So the people were there at the cross, and the religious leaders were there at the cross. Let's go to the second group in verse 36. It says, and the soldiers. So the second group were the soldiers. And then there was a third, but it's not a group. It was an individual and one of the male factors which were hanged. It's criminal was there. Then each of them had a verbal abuse toward Jesus. Let's look at that in verse 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him. That means they sneered at him. The second group also has some sort of verbal abuse. In verse 36, it says, and the soldiers also mocked him. The third one, the individual, the criminal, which was hanged, with, hanged, railed on him. That means they, he hurled uh, insults at Jesus. Have you noticed that there's threes going on here? Three groups, three forms of verbal abuse. That's going to continue for a third time. Let's go to verse 35 again, because they're each going to demand, mockingly demand something of Jesus, something that he could have done. In verse 35, it says this, And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them, deriding or sneering at him. He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be the Christ the chosen one of God. The second group also had a demand. In verse 36, And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save yourself. In verse 39, the criminal chimes in. He says, as he's railing or hurling insults at Jesus, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. (laughs) Three groups of people. Three showing um, verbal abuse. Three forms of verbal abuse. And then three demands, each of them the same. 
save yourself. Since he could have saved himself, why didn't he? Because he was performing a labor of love. By dying on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven. Because forgiveness is a labor of love. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Deaconess Arnold, for that. Praise the Lord. First, giving honor to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my pastor, ministers in the pulpit, deacons, deaconesses, church family, and friends. Before I begin my message, I would like to thank the Lord Jesus for the opportunity to stand before you and to speak on the topic, the listening of love. I also want to thank God for Pastor Gordon, who is still being an example to the flock, even in his, in his absence. So this is just a gentle reminder for all of us to continue to pray for Pastor Gordon and his family. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We bless you. We love you. We thank you, Father God, for who you are and all that you've done. Father, we ask for special blessings for our pastor this morning and his family. Lord, I ask that you keep him in your care. So, Father God, please put me to the side and help me to exalt you and help me to edify the flock and help me to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ. It's in Jesus' name that I do pray. Amen. Amen. The running theme for this special worship service today is love. The topic that has been designated for me is the listening of love. Receive God's love. God is speaking is my first point. I would like to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, also known as the love chapter. In this chapter, the author, Paul, describes to his readers what love is and what love is not. It must be noted that Paul is describing love as a quality, not an emotion. So I decided to take another look at what the Bible says about love, and I was reminded through scripture that God is love, which is defined as the essence of his character. Please forgive me in advance if my message begins to sound like an Easter message, but I cannot talk about love without talking about God, and I cannot talk about God without talking about Christ, and I cannot talk about Christ without visiting Calvary. You see, somebody, somebody today needs to know that not everybody, but somebody needs to know that God is love. And no matter what will transpire on the days ahead, no man or woman can give a gift that could trump the gift that was given to humanity. And, 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 and if you're not convinced of this, 
Please, somebody help me recall John 3, 16. For God, deity, so loved the world, humanity, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's a gift. But God's love did not stop speaking in verse 16. It continued through verse 17 as well. The Bible says that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, meaning Jesus, might be saved. Love was thinking about you, and love was thinking about me, and that is good news. Praise the Lord. If I may, I would like to share my testimony about receiving God's love, and I pray that it will bless somebody today. There was a time in my life when I wanted nothing to do with Christ. I am not proud of that, but by no means, I'm not proud of that, but I need to put it out there. I wasn't raised in church, so naturally, I had no desire to go to church nor did I want to be affiliated with the church. So much so that I refused to buy church clothes, so if anyone asked me to attend church, my excuse was I had nothing to wear. To make a long story short, I was forced to attend the baby dedication one Sunday. And if you know anything about baby dedications, the services are generally quick and to the point. So I came up with a plan to make my stay at church short. I shared the plan with my husband, and he was down with the plan. It was like an Adam and Eve moment. I spoke, and he listened. And the plan was simple. Go into the church, sneak in, and sneak out. So we walked in the church, sneakily sat at our assigned seats, then stood up with the family, and the plan worked until it was time to sneak out. How many of y'all know that God's plan superseded mine? Bottom line, we stayed in church longer than what was anticipated. And from that, our lives changed. The God of this universe canned my plan, saved our souls, changed our lives. And for this reason, I can say, but God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Which leads me to my second point, response to God's love. God is listening. How do we respond to God's love? The first commandment tells us to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And the second commandment is to love thy neighbor as thyself. The first commandment instructs us to love God with all our being. In other words, God becomes priority. And when God is priority, he and Jesus will come and make their abode. When God is the priority, his ears 
are open to our prayers. When God is the priority, he honors our prayers of petition. The second commandment is like unto the first. However, the responsibility of prioritizing is geared toward the neighbor. For this cause, we as believers have an ongoing responsibility to love our neighbor as thyself by demonstrating the love of God. As I conclude, we must remember the grace that grace is always accompanied with God's love. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. More importantly, God demonstrates his love towards us, and in turn, we get the privilege to love him back by keeping his commandments. For that reason alone, God is obligated by his word to incline his ears to his children. May the Lord Jesus bless you and may heaven smile upon you. Praise him. To my esteemed and truly missed pastor, the Reverend Dr. Raymond M. Gordon Sr., and our first lady and my big sister in Christ, Diane Gordon, and my beautiful sisters in the pulpit, pulpit associates, church family, good morning, happy worship day, and happy Black History Month. I'm so thankful for my best friend and my husband, um, Deacon Guy, who's downstairs ministering and teaching your children and grandchildren in children's ministry. And for my young adults who are worshiping in Boston and Chicago while they are handling God's business in school. And for my mother, who was very ill this year, but was able to walk in by herself this morning. But God. Let us pray. Father God, please move your servant out of the way. Speak through her and for her and let your word fall on good soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I come from a very large family and I am known to be one of the few genealogists in my family. But a few years ago, I became frustrated because I got stuck and could not find answers beyond my great-grandfather to the actual slave owners. My son was taking a class with Dr. Henry Lewis Gates Jr., so I was giving him information to try to help me move beyond my stuck point when I received a call from my cousin in North Carolina. She had met a woman who claimed to be our cousin that actually had the information I needed to move to the next step. I was excited to find that my great-great-great-grandfather had received his freedom and liberty from a slave owner and worked to save enough money to buy the freedom and liberty of his wife and six children. They were no longer stuck. I was no longer stuck. 
This morning, I am humbled and honored to speak on the topic of liberty of love. Liberty is defined as the state of being free. And being free is defined as not being under the power or authority of another. We who are saved are part of God's kingdom as we temporarily reside on earth, but we sometimes confuse how the world defines love in comparison to how God, our Father, the author and creator of love, defines it. You know, the love that Jesus modeled when he left heaven and came here to earth to model by serving, by dying on the cross, by rising, and now still watching over and praying for us, the love that he said was the greatest and most com important commandment, love God, love others, even your enemies. Everyone loves to sing about the power of love, but most have yet to understand and function in this power in our relationships, which this power is liberating. There are lots of songs about the power of love, Joe Simon sang about it in the 70s, Jennifer Rush in the 80s, Luther Vandross in the 90s, Celine Dion in the 90s, and again in 2019. We danced and we cried to those songs at our wedding celebrations. And then after the honeymoon, we are ready to kill each other, and some even divorce shortly after. After almost 28 years of marriage, I have learned that the song we danced to by Celine Dion at our wedding was true. Love does have power. It has supernatural and unbelievable liberating power beyond our understanding. But it's God's love, God's way, God's love frees us. And it can free those we love as well, as well as our enemies. In fact, only through Jesus can this powerful and liberating love be realized and operable. It is through his wisdom and his strength that this happens. It's the power of his transforming word and the power of his Holy Spirit when we read it and we obey it. The world tells us that love is feelings and God's love is absent of feelings, but operates based on faith in him. What the world says is all lies. And I know because it's been tried and tested in my life as a wife, mother, daughter, sister, coworker, manager, family member, caregiver, neighbor, friend, and let's not forget ministry. Love is not based on feelings at all. It is based on believing in God and his promises that if we humble ourselves and not care about how we feel and do what he says, he will do what he said he would do. It's through Christ. God's way, 
not only for marriage, but for every relationship on this faith journey. I have learned that we are partners with God. James 2.17 tells us that faith without works is dead. Faith requires work. God gives a prescription for every promise. There is no prescription where you can get the full results without following the script as prescribed by the doctor. You can ask anyone who has ever had pink eye and knows they infected. The apostle Paul, inspired by God, wrote the prescription for God's unconditional liberty of love. Or better said, being liberated by loving. In 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 to 11. And here it is. Pay close attention because we tend to read it, but we fail to pay attention or obey it. And therefore, we get stuck. So I'm going to break it down for you. Suffer long and be kind. Be patient and extend the same grace and forgiveness to others that God extended to you through his son and extends to you daily and unlimited, although he hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Envy not. Give it to God. And leave it with him. First Peter 2 1 tells us to lay it aside, and Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven, twenty-eight to thirty, to give our burdens to him. We can't carry them. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't be arrogant or prideful. Humble yourself as Jesus did. Play the mental video back of how you were before you got here sitting looking pretty on Sundays. All dressed up, God did the same for you that he can do for others. Hebrews 12, 14 tells us to make every effort to live in peace and be holy. And don't act up. James 1, 19 tells us to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Don't respond. Actively listen to what is being said by the person and by God. And then be slow to get mad about it. There actually may be some truth about your role in it. Don't try to get revenge. God can handle it. No one is getting in a way with messing with God's children. Romans twelve nineteen says... God says, vengeance is mine. Rejoice in the truth. Seek God, listen to, and believe him about it. Isaiah 41.10 says, do not fear or be dismayed. God is in control. Bear all things and believe all things. With compassion, believe the best about the person. Hurting people hurt people. Ask God to help you see that person the way he sees them. Put your hope in God about it. Totally depend on him and trust him. Not in your own strength. That's love in action while God does the healing. And faith in God does the work. Endure. Yes, it is painful, but count it all joy 
what God is doing in and through you for his purpose and his glory. Romans 8.28 tells us that all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And lastly, grow up in him. Keep reading and obeying the word of God while God is doing the work. Psalms 46 says God is our refuge and our strength. Our ability to operate in liberating love through Christ is by the power of the Holy Spirit and obedience to God's word. Jesus finished it at the cross when he said, it is finished. Now we need to operate in it. You may be stuck, but know today that you can move forward. You can be free. You can be liberated. The liberty of love. Amen. Awesome word. Yes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We thank you so much, Sister Arnold, who talked about the labor of love. She talked about forgiveness, which is a labor of love that only came through Jesus, and that we have to know that not forgiving is not an option. Thank you, Deaconess Sherry Page, who talked about the listening of love. We have to receive God's love. God is speaking. We have to respond to God's love, and he's listening. And then thank you, Deaconess Crystal Guy, who just talked about the liberty of love, that Jesus finished it at the cross, and that you can be freed up. Just believe and trust in him. And next up, we have our keynote speaker for the hour. I have the privilege of introducing her. She's a fellow Tanya. So I'm going to introduce Sister Tanya Murphy. She's going to be talking about the liberation of love and the legacy of love. Sister Tanya Murphy is also one of the ministry leaders here at St. Matthew. She helps assist in the women's ministry, and she's just a powerful woman of God. So please stand on your feet as we welcome Sister Tanya Murphy. Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Lord have mercy. Thank you for your love, your support, your encouragement. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast of the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard my cry and delivered me from all my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen, amen, amen. I bring you greetings from the balcony. (laughs) Pastor opened the year talking about a perfect peace and perseverance and place to place. It's a different view from this view, from this perspective. It gives me great joy to look up in the balcony and to see my circle of love, my husband who's here. I um, was leading women's Bible study market, you should know I talked about how we used to do endless love on loop-de-loop, loop-de-loop-de-loop when we first met. My son and my mom and aunt, sisters, seeing my sisters from God's Christian Women from Philadelphia, thank you for being here. What a privilege, what an honor to stand here. Jesus, we thank you for a pastor 
whose ministry is about Jesus, whose ministry is about being in order. We honor him. Pray with me, saints. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We are humbled. We are grateful. Lord, have your way with this message, Heavenly Father. Keep our ears open. Keep our eyes opened. Lord, and anoint me on, on, on new for what you have called me to do. It is in your holy and precious name I do pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Join me, meet me in the book of Exodus, chapter 3. And I tell you up front, settle into the word because we're going to read a few scriptures. Exodus chapter 3. Now Moses kept the flock of Jephro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert. And he came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for thy place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows." And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of a land unto a good land and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send unto thee Pharaoh, the king, thou may bring forth my people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go up to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly I will be with thee. Put a pin there. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou have brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you. 
And they shall say to me, what is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shall thou say unto the children of of Israel, I am have sent me unto you. Amen for the word of the Lord. God appeared to Moses in the burning bush. We know the story. And he told him to go to Egypt to lead his people, the Israelites, out of slavery, out of bondage. My message this morning is a liberation of love, a legacy of love. We've heard about a labor of love. We've heard about a listening of love. We've heard about a liberty of love. And because Jesus is love, you will hear some scripture that have, has already been read. Liberation is the act of setting someone free from imprisonment, from slavery, from oppression. It's a release. And the legacy of that is the long-standing, long-lasting impact of that liberation. By the way, in honor of tonight's Super Bowl, I have to share that my message has a few commercial breaks and is also laced with a halftime show. I'm setting you up for my first commercial break. Setting the stage with this commercial break with two notables. The Bible is our love letter. I remember being in women's Bible study and hearing Sister G call the Bible our love letter and it transformed my relationship with the word of God. It is our love letter. And so if he's writing to us, that means he loves us. We are his children And he loves us. The Bible is our love letter. It is page after holy page consisting of 40 writers. Don't miss this. One author, 40 writers inspired by the one and only true God. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. Notable number two, every promise the Lord made to the people of Israel Don't read the Old Testament and don't think we're not in it. Every promise the Lord made to the people of Israel is our promise. Ephesians 3, 6 says that the Gentiles, we are the non-Jews, the Gentiles, we have been adopted into his family. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and the partakers of his promise in Christ. By what? By the gospel. So when we hear... I am that I am. It is the Holy Spirit that lives within us, that dwells in us, that gets excited. Why does it get excited? Because it hears the identification of itself going forth. The Lord is identifying himself to Moses and to all of us. Hey, Moses, tell them that the all-sufficient one. Hey, Moses, tell them that the all-existing one with immediate presence have sent thee. I am that I am. God's existence is not contingent upon anyone else. He promises that he will be what he will be. He will be the eternal, consistent, constant God. 
His word said, I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the almighty. This is true of him for all time, every time, daytime and nighttime and even halftime. Moses is on an assignment. It's a divine assignment called by God. He is on a liberation of love mission to bring his people out of the enslavement, out of the rule and under the control of the evil king and evilness in the land of Egypt. When Moses said to God, who am I that I should go up to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? The Lord replied and he said, certainly I will be with thee. God is with us and he is calling his people, you and me, out of bondage because he first loved us. He is love. He's the very essence of love. We don't know love if we don't know Christ. We don't know love if we don't know Christ. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry, for I know their sorrows. Thank you, Lord. That's good news to me this morning. And he said, I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians, out of the hands of the oppressors, and to bring them up to a land, unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk And honey, I am that I am have sent me, says Moses. And thank God his plans are not contingent upon our circumstance. He stands ever present. He stands ever unchangeable, completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills to do and to accomplish what he wills to accomplish. Commercial break number two. I know you've heard the saying, the phrase, God doesn't bless mess. And he may not bless mess, but he certainly will bless you in a mess. The same way he blessed his people in Israel. The same way he blesses us. He is completely sufficient in himself to do what he wills to do and what he wills to accomplish in your life to set you free, to liberate your thinking, to renew your mind, to liberate your actions for the sake of his legacy and for the sake of our legacy in him. Amen. He can use your drunk uncle, your backstabbing colleague, your boss's boss, your unfriendly neighbor, the family member you haven't talked to and God knows when, your last dollar to accomplish what he wills to do and what he wills to accomplish. Messy us. Blessy Jesus. We are messy, but he is blessy. Amen. As the story goes in Exodus, the Lord provided a way for his people. He, you, you guys, he miraculously parted the Red Sea. His people crossed through on dry ground. 
It was the same Red Sea that swallowed up and drowned his oppressors. In that moment, he's a good God. And we continue to see the Lord's provision providing manna every morning for his people. But it didn't take long for his people who were rescued from bondage. They started grumbling and complaining and missing the leeks and onions of Egypt. The Lord is providing and the people are grumbling. They're blaming Moses. They're creating false gods to worship. They're wilding out in the wilderness and they're angering God in the process. Yet we see a constant and consistent God holding on to his promises. That's love. That is love. And the same way with all the promises that the saints of God have when we start to grumble and complain. He is consistent. He is constant with our love. As we transition, I'm going to ask you to pay close attention because I need to make this connection as we get to the greatest love story ever, ever existing. As Christians, we are connected to the story of, in, of the Exodus with the celebration of the Holy Communion. Help me, Holy Ghost. As Christians, we are connected to the story, the exodus out of Egypt with the celebration of the Holy Communion. Jesus' words at the Last Supper, you know when we're taking communion and the pastor says, this is my body which you do for me. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup, what cup? My blood. This cup is the new confidence in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, remembering me. The Holy Communion is connected to the Passover, chapter 12 in Exodus, which is the celebration of Exodus in Egypt. Stick with me. In the book of Exodus, The Israelites were told to sacrifice a lamb or a goat. It was to be male, one years old, and without blemish. The Lord had placed ten plagues in Egypt because Pharaoh's hard heart. And there were ten plagues. So to differentiate between the Israelites and the evil people and his people, he said, sacrifice the lamb. And paint the blood on the door. And when I come through, I will pass over where I see the blood that has been painted on the doorpost. And what would happen in that plague, the last and final plague of ten plagues, is that the firstborn sons of the evil ones were killed. But he needed to see the blood to spare the lives of the firstborn sons of his children. And because Jesus revealed he was about to become our sacrificial lamb, that means that Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection performs its own kind of exodus, one that frees us from bondage. It frees us from penalty, and it frees us 
from guilt and shame. Meet me, or let's meet again in the book of Luke, starting with chapter 23. And this sets up the halftime show of my message. By the way, this is the greatest of all love stories. Agape love. Agape love. The highest of all the four types of love in the Bible. Agape love defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for you and for me. It is the divine love that comes from God. It is not like Eros love, that romantic love, my endless love on loopity-loop-de-loop. It is agape love. It's not storge love, which is family love, which is the love that Mary had to express that grief when she saw her son being nailed to the cross. Is that love that we have for our children It is the love that we have for our family, storge love. It is not the phileia love. Hey, Peter, do you love me? I phileo you. Is the love, phileo love is the love that you and I have for each other. Is the Christian love. You can love me and I can love you because we love the Jesus that's in each other. It's phileo love. It's fellow Christian love. But agape love is that perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, pure love that we only get from Jesus. And Luke 23, 44 through 46 sets it up. It says, it was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour because the sun was obscured and the veil of the holy of holies of the temple was torn into from top to bottom and jesus cried out with a loud voice saying father into your hands i commit my spirit and having done this he breathed his last Sister Arnold already pointed out the bookends. Jesus prayed to the Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus endured a brutal death to save our souls. Love. He was falsely accused, hung to a cross, nailed to a cross, tortured and mocked and laughed at for love. I know how I feel when I get a hangnail. Don't let me get a paper cut. My afternoon is ruined. He was nailed to the cross, tortured and mocked. He was unrecognizable. He held a 40-pound cross for our sake. Love. My sister Cherie talked about Easter. We see in Luke 24, verses 1 through 6. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. While they were perplexed about this, Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. 
And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. You better believe we cannot have a conversation about Jesus, about Jesus' love without having the message of Easter. Agape love, perfect, unconditional, sacrificial, pure love that we only experience in Jesus. Jesus ascended and he promised us the Holy Spirit. He said, I will send the Holy Spirit in my name and I, he will teach you all things and will be reminding you of everything I have ever said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, not as arrows or storge or phileo, as agape love, living within us, dwelling within us. Where's Jesus? How close is Jesus? So close that he's in you. And he feeds us with liberating scriptures of love. 2 Corinthians 3.17 speaks to the very core of us, speaks to the very soul of us. It says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. John 8.36. So if the son has set you free, you will be Amen. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Jesus Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the... Romans 8.4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after flesh, but after the spirit. Galatians 5, 1, stand fast, therefore. What is it therefore? That we stand in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. Free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Liberation. God is calling us from bondage. And so if he's calling us from a place, he's calling us to a place. And where is he calling us to? John 10, 10 tells us that the thief cometh only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But what? But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Did you notice in the opening text in Exodus, verse 4, when the Lord called Moses, it was a double call. He said, Moses, Moses. And Moses responded, here I am. When Jesus calls out to us, I pray that we have the courage and the confidence in him to say, here I am. Jesus called them twice. And when God calls a name twice, it was to get their immediate attention. It was the ultimate expression of intimacy, a double call to freedom. The Lord is calling us to freedom. In the text, we hear Moses, Moses, Moses was assigned to become the deliverer of God's people. We hear Abraham, Abraham, Abraham became the father of many nations. We hear Jacob, Jacob, 
Jacob became a great nation with 12 tribes. We hear Samuel, Samuel. Samuel was young at the time, but God was grooming him to become a priest and a prophet and a judge. How about our girl Martha? Martha, Martha. Martha was taught from being anxious about many things. And Simon, Simon, that's Peter. Simon learned to rely on Jesus instead of his own self. And here's Saul. Saul, Saul, Saul changed from persecuting Christians to teaching them. And his name was changed to Paul. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. A double name call was to elevate or promote the people to a prominent position. That is the legacy of love. Legacy has a long-standing impact to the person sitting here this morning. And you may be in bondage without the freedom, without the love and the grace of Christ. When the call goes out this morning, I implore you to accept Jesus as your personal savior. Answer the call. When Jesus comes and sets you free, you don't have to hide anymore. You can now enjoy a healthy relationship with your heavenly father. And he actually encourages it. In James 4, 8, he tells us, simply draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Let's not overcomplicate this thing. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is the very essence of what Christ has freed you from. God wants a close intimate relationship with you. And the only way that happens is by Jesus freeing you. And we who sit among those who need to make a very important, the most important decision today to give their life to Christ. Those of us who are in Christ ought not to do a golf clap. We need to full on Super Bowl cheer our brothers and sisters who are giving their life to Christ, not just today, but to every day. I don't know who's going to win tonight, but what I do know is Jesus has already won. He already has the victory. And when one soul is saved, we ought to stand to our feet and cheer on the Lord. It is the Lord who saves. When they come forth, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's not stare them down, but let's cheer them on because Jesus is winning. And let me say this before we close. That's a time that when the, when the doors of the church are open, it's also a time for those of us who are in Christ to recommit ourselves and to rededicate ourselves. Because when you talk about double name calling, the word says that not everyone that will say my name, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my father, which is in heaven, may Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have we not cast out devils? In thy name didn't we do wonderful works? And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. So don't worry about who's sitting next to you. Give your life to Jesus today. The only, give him. It's not 
it's not, it's not an easy journey, but it is the most rewarding and exciting one. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of the glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God. Our Savior be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now, forth, and forevermore. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give him glory. Hallelujah for your word, God. And now it is time. Everybody, please stand on your feet. It is time to know that you know that you know. So at this time, if you are here and you're not saved, we're giving you the invitation for a free gift. All service, we've been talking about love. And we started out the service by talking about the vision and the victory, which is only through Jesus Christ. If you are here today and you've tried everything, even if you have not tried everything, you need to try Jesus. Jesus is able to keep you. He's able to strengthen you and comfort you. All you have to do is accept his free gift of salvation. It's as easy as A, B, and C. Admit that you've done wrong, that you're a sinner. Believe in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross, that he was buried and he rose for you, and that he's able to be God of your life. And then see, confess it with your mouth and believe it in your heart. Choose to allow God to be in charge of your life today. If there's anybody here that would like to be saved and you want to accept this free gift and you want to get into the love family, I'm asking that you raise your hand and that you step up and you come forward. And those that are already saved, we're just asking that you would be praying for those people. If you are already saved and you don't have a church home and you want to join St. Matthew's, we offer an invitation to you as well. Please step out at this time to come up. Is there one? Try Jesus. He is able to keep you. Is there one? Come on up. We'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. Come on up. Yes. Come on, sing it all over the house. Say, why on does that I call day to get to know God or to join this ministry. Is there one?
Let's give the Lord a round of applause. Say, Heaven has increased. Yes, Lord. Welcome to the family, brother. Come on, sing it out. Say, why? Come on, we should be rejoicing right now. Come on and raise the praise. Coming up, my brother, Minister Arnold will help you and assist you in the back. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Jesus is awesome. At this time, we will have the benediction by Sister Tanya Murphy. Heavenly Father, Lord, we turn to you saying, thank you, Lord. Oh, God, you have filled us up. Our cup runneth over. Thank you for your word, Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to understand love, love, love. Just a little more, Jesus, because you first loved us. We thank you, God, for the soul that was saved or the rededication that took place here, Heavenly Father. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your transforming power, for your saving power. Jesus, Lord, we thank you. As we go, hear our humble cry, Lord. Just a humble cry. Just a humble cry. We want to be closer to you, Lord. You said in your word, draw near and you'll be near to us. Lord, Heavenly Father, we ask that you go with us that you will bless us and keep us. Bless us and we shall be blessed. Keep us and we shall be kept. Bless your people, Heavenly Father. Keep our pastor comforted, healed on a healing journey. Bless the First Lady and our first family and bless our church from choir to front door. We thank you, Lord, for all that you've done here today and it is in your holy and precious name we do pray with thanksgiving. Amen. 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 In my humble, in my humble cry. Please come on up and greet these ladies. And remember, Pastor loves you. Why on Sing it out. Say I'm crying. Say, sing it. Oh Lord, say. Won't you come on and hear? Hear my humble, hear my humble cry. Bye.
Happy Sunday, St. because I've been a member here for over 20 years and pastor brings a word every Sunday. Ministry here is for the entire being. Uh, I love the way it touches the mind, the body, the soul. Uh, we have women's ministries. Welcome to our world. I've gone to several churches before and the truth that pastor preaches about the word, his leadership and his vision is just pure. Welcome to our world. What keeps me coming back to St. Matthews is the youth program. They continuously put effort into the young, into the young mentors. Welcome to our world. Bienvenidos a nuestro mundo.